Hi, my name is Tim Ashworth, and I'm going to be sharing my near-death experience with you today. In 2018, I suffered a near-death experience, oddly enough, while celebrating my own birthday in November. It was two weeks late to my actual birthday, and I wanted to enjoy myself, and I won't say what all was done, because honestly, I don't remember the entirety of the event. But I do remember that at one point, I had this really profound connection to something that was much higher up than me. It was very sudden whenever the connection was established. To this point, for about a year, I had been meditating and regularly fasting intermittently. And I decided I didn't want to be angry anymore in 2018. I was a very angry person, and I took the steps to fix that. And... I got into the tenets of Buddhism and the spiritual aspect of life and focusing on chakras and just doing a lot of meditation and self-reflection. And this particular night in 2018, I actually remember the exact date and time, November 18th, 2018 at 7 p.m., I was trying to bring myself down and take control of this spiritual moment and it was becoming too much and trying to level myself out and my heart was pounding while trying to focus on this. And eventually, my heart gave out, my brain stopped, my lungs stopped breathing, everything stopped. I felt something snap in like the back of my mind, sort of like a glow stick that was quite potent. I guess it's attention getting. Because the second that I heard the snap, I felt myself, the awareness, sort of snap backwards like I was being pulled or peeled off of something. My body slumped forward, and my awareness was pulled back. It was like taking off a tight boot, or when you're wearing a tight piece of clothing and it's uncomfortable, and you finally get to take it off, and you're just like, ah, the relief. That moment of release, and I was being pulled up out of my body, and had started to ascend. And I was, my room... The music, the the temperature, all of it just stayed with my body, and I'm being pulled up. But the room itself, like, I didn't go through the roof or anything. It was the room itself stayed as it was, and I started to feel it was like being rinsed. Like, whenever you're being, like, standing under a waterfall. Yeah, it was like standing under a waterfall. And, like, acknowledging that, oh, that's my body. I guess I'm leaving that, and I'm going somewhere now. I was being pulled up through what the what my, I guess, spiritual lessons up to this point had taught me were the planes of awareness. And I've never, in all my years of being interested in stuff like this, I've never seen a story explain what that would feel like. So trying to convey that, it can sometimes be a struggle. And you get a lot of weird looks, you get a lot of confused people. And it comes down to like standing under a waterfall, but you're climbing up the waterfall. And like you get to a point and then there's this rinse and then you keep going up and then there's more that washes over you. And as you go, more and more and more is released. So it was like all of the existence that was me, all of the burdens, all the stress, all the issues of my life were being washed away as I was ascending. And I went through the various planes of awareness where we all reside, and I completely bypassed what I've heard many other people talk about being the spiritual plane, where you go and you're with your loved ones and you are in either, depending on what you 
perceive and believe and experience, you are either in your hell or your heaven. And I bypassed that entirely. I went from the physical plane uh, through, it was like a quick, right on through the spiritual plane to the cosmic plane, and then through the void, and then all the way up. And it was like taking a rapid ascending, rapidly ascending elevator. It was quite, it was liberating. It was exciting. I don't have words to describe how this stuff felt. It felt like going home. After being gone for a long, long time, it felt like going home. And whenever I got to where I was going, the stop was quite sudden. The ascension stopped rather uh, abruptly. And as I gained this awareness of self, it was interesting to see that I was wearing one of my favorite shirts, and I was wearing one of my favorite pairs of pants. I was wearing socks, and like I had a full astral body, but I was far beyond any of that. None of the stuff that I was wearing whenever I died, whenever I started this experience, none of that stuff was on me. It was a completely different outfit. It was my favorite outfit. It was how I identified myself the most. And it was this warmth around me. And I realized that this place that I was at, it kind of felt like being as high as you could go in a tall building. But this building was infinitely tall. And somehow finding the, the very top floor that no one else could access the way that I had accessed it. And it was, it was so profound. I was made aware that I was not alone. There were, there were actually quite a few other souls nearby, but some of them felt like angels and others felt like me. They felt like souls that were just, they were visiting for a while. And I then had this very profound, I don't want to say vision. It was sort of like hearing someone go, except instead of in your ear, it's in your head. And I look up and there is this radiant light. It's, it's not blinding. And it's interwoven with other colors and even some just, I guess, sort of like nullness, I guess, is the only way that I can describe it. It was so, so interesting to, to see it. And when I realized what it was that I was looking at, I was looking at God. I was looking at, you can call it the great awareness, the collective unconscious, the whatever, whatever works. I use God because it's the easiest term. But I met God. And when I realized that it was God, I had this reaction like, ah, and the second I did that, God laughed at me. It was a hearty laugh, like your favorite uncle who cracks jokes during the holidays and is just hilarious. And he's got that deep belly laugh and is just laughing so hard because he's just, he finds it so amusing. It was like that. And the laugh was extremely reminiscent of my own. And it surprised me. I actually felt that God and I were, were connected. That connection that we all come from the source. This is the source. This is God. We are all made in God's image as God's children. And as the creation of God, well, if we're made in God's image, that means that it takes a piece of God to make us. And we're leaves from the same tree. And it was, or drops in the same ocean. It was such a profound thing. It was an amazing, amazing uh, realization. And then to be laughed at by God, as if to say, surprised you, didn't I? <laughs> it definitely changes your perspective. I had always accepted that there was a higher power than me out there, and that if ever I met this higher power, I'd have questions. And having met this higher power, 
at getting laughed at, the only thing I could think to do back was to laugh. I had to laugh back. Just to laugh at how ridiculous it was and that I was surrounded by love and warmth and it was unconditional and it was this pure, unbridled love. This absolute acceptance. It was like getting home and being told you've had a very long journey. You're so tired and I'm going to make you laugh and let you feel welcome and you're loved here. It's okay. And as we laughed, others laughed and their focus didn't even have to be on us. They were just laughing with us. It was this unbridled love and... It became, it became like music, like the laughter, as the laughter died down, it generated music around us. And it was this pure symphony. It was so overwhelming and how beautiful it was. And then God and I began to talk. We would share stories of memories and we experienced each other's lives in greater detail. As an extension of God is how I was shown my life. Then... I got to, uh, I don't want to say I got to experience some of God's life, but I was given memories that I never experienced, that I've never myself in this lifetime obviously experienced. And there was no judgment. There was no expectation. It was, it's okay. Take your time. You're going to get there. It's all right. Experience what needs to be experienced right now. And let's just laugh about it. And it was this joyous, overwhelming love. And after a long conversation and the sharing of many memories and the confirmation of what I expected as far as past lives go, I got to witness past lives, but from their eyes, I got to experience some of their most important moments, some of which I had dreamt of already in the years prior and others I had never even known about. And I got to see how far back human history actually goes. I got to see how time works. I got to see how reality works. And I got to see what came before all of it, before all of this, before all of measured time. And I got to see what came before the infinite, before this infinite reality that we live in. And it was made very clear to me why it was that I was having to experience this, why it was it was me. And it was made aware to me that I actually died before my time. I died before I was supposed to. And that my scheduled death had to be rewritten and I had to die before my time to reset something. I don't know what it was that was being reset, but I know that I was killed before my time and that it had to be done for the sake of something important, that there was something that had to change. And the only way to change it was to disrupt the way that time played out at a very important and pivotal moment. And that pivotal moment was whenever my connection to the divine was at its highest. And that was my celebration on November 18th, 2018. So I spent, I stopped counting. I stopped keeping track of time whenever I got to this point and was conversing with God. And it was outside of time. There was no reference of time. It was entirely, none of this is going to be affected by anything else. Just let time be for the physical let it be for the lower realms of awareness that need it right now nothing else matters and whatever you need to learn whatever you want to know you've got access to all of it and it was such a overwhelming thing it felt like god was eager to meet me and to talk with me like god was excited and using my connection to god using the energy that I give off, naturally. Everybody gives off an aura. Everybody's soul has a color. 
and using that energy to to get my attention and to help me level out uh, with the situation. It was the best way to, to get me to focus on the moment with God. It was shown to me that I had to do some things that I had been shown in dreams already before this. And there were things that would come to pass in the future, events that would come to pass. There would be tragic events, which I imagine everybody's anticipating and expecting, and that some events that were supposed to happen are now no longer going to happen because of my being plucked and having to die at that time. It would change how events played out. And something as simple as a grain of sand and on the beach being moved somewhere where it was never supposed to be, if you have that kind of awareness, that can alter, drastically alter, the course of how time plays out. And the only way to get the result that was needed is I had to die sooner than later. After the very long, drawn-out conversation, I say drawn out, it wasn't really drawn out, it was full of amazing information, most of which I wish I could share in a way that makes sense. We don't have words to describe most of the stuff that I experienced and saw, but it's an understanding. I understood how God created the universe. I understood how long it took for us to get to this point in time, this point in history. I understood how time worked to get us there. I understood how events, how time rhymes with events in history. I understood how this all worked and why it was working the way that it was. And, and alongside all of that, I was shown that I would now be connected to every other possibility within this infinite realm. Within infinity, there are countless timelines, countless realities, and I would be connected to all of them that are or had been within this realm of infinite possibility and infinite connection. I would be shown that across all of the different possible realities, every possible choice I could ever possibly make and every possible outcome that there could be, I would be connected to every single one all at the same time. This connection would be restricted only the ones that were most relevant to where I was at, what I was doing, how this life was supposed to go in that moment. And then after the conversation with God, whenever all this was explained to me and I was shown everything, I was sent back down through the various planes of awareness, the different vibrations. And as I descended the planes of awareness, going back to my body, I was made aware of many things that I personally didn't either want to buy into or bother buying into. I 100% didn't care before this event. It didn't matter to me. It was irrelevant. If it was a thing that I had to deal with at some point in the future, I would deal with it then. And I'd always heard people meeting Jesus whenever they die, meeting the Messiah and having a conversation with him and people going and suffering in hell and all these different things. And I started my descent or yeah, my return to my body. As I began the journey to return to my body, I started at the lowest vibrational frequency, the lowest vibrational frequency of energy. And in spiritualism, this correlates to the root chakra, the lowest vibration. And on the spiritual side, the lowest vibration some people have experienced, they would call it hell. And that's the easiest way to describe this place. I woke up, my eyes opened, and not quite sure how to describe it, but... I was laying in grooves on the ground in what we would call hell. And in these grooves, there were spaces that were open, old ones suffering form. And I opened my eyes in this place, and I didn't feel any pain. I wasn't suffering. I was just tired. I felt very exhausted, like I had just woken up from a nap. 
and the nap was in the middle of the day. And I looked around and looked to my left. My hand was laying open, palm up. And to my left, I locked eyes with with Jesus. And he was laying in a similar position, mirroring my own. His right hand was near mine, near my left hand. And when we locked eyes, he said, your turn. And that's all he said. He just, when he did, he opened his palm and this bright light, like a floating crystal of bright light, appeared out of his palm. It floated up out of his palm and hovered above it. And after he had manifested this light, after he had willed it out, it floated over to my left hand and receded into my palm. And he looked so tired, like he'd been doing this for so long. I could see the exhaustion in his eyes. And he almost coughed out a sigh of relief. And he closed his eyes as I started to stand up. And whenever I stood up, he dematerialized. He just receded into the rock. And I started to survey my surroundings. And it wasn't what all had been depicted, what all I had been shown. It was a barren landscape in front of me. But as I turned and looked behind me, I saw the most beautiful sunset I have ever seen in my life. But I don't have, we don't have words to describe the colors that I saw. And it was off in the distance. There was a lake of water that was crystal clear and was reflecting the sunset. There was a lush landscape in the distance. There were beautiful flowers. They weren't the same color as we see, as green as the leaves that we all see, or as beautiful as the flowers that we see. But they were beautiful in their own way. There was a garden in what we would call hell. And when I realized that this place by itself could be heaven or it could be hell, that it mattered about your perspective. Heaven to you is hell to another. And when I realized that, that it was all about your perspective. It's all about how you saw it. That if you saw yourself suffering in hell, then you would suffer in hell. If you looked at it as any other day, and you had no concern, no qualms, no issues, and that you didn't live a life full of regret and self-hatred and self-loathing, that you, that you could plant flowers in a place that everyone else was suffering. You could plant flowers in hell. And you could bring brightness to that world and you can change it from what it is that it's being perceived as to what it can really be, which could be paradise. And I realized that we can do that here on Earth. But that's what that was teaching me, is that it's all about your perspective. If you want to see darkness and suffering and misery, then you will. If you want to see negativity, then you will. If you think, why is this always happening to me? Why do all these bad things always happen to me? Then you will attract those bad things. And you have to change your perspective. You have to start looking for the silver lining. That's what that was teaching me. And that's one of the things that I had to bring back with me. I had to remember that moment. And I had to bring that to whoever needed it that was here, that was still here. I was shown what I would be doing in the future. Events that I had dreamt of already, but this solidified it for me. This was confirmation. The dream was like an echo that hadn't reached me fully yet. And the death was the vision that I needed to fully see. And bringing people that one little bit of knowledge that if you change your perspective, that if you embrace the situation that you're in and look for ways to make it better, not for ways to just run from your problems, but ways to solve them and to do it with love and compassion for one another and for others. To realize that we are all from the same source. We all come from the same origin. And that 
if we have more compassion and more love for one another, that we can make this place into a much better place. We can fix all the damage that's been done. We can fix everything that's gone wrong. We can alleviate the suffering. We can bring about the world peace that we all say we want so badly, that we all think that we have to do it in violence. That is not the way. We have to do it with love and compassion, and we have to do it with understanding. We have to realize the game that we're playing is just that. It's just a game. This is all temporary. Your real home is over there. The real place that you should be calling home is over there. And one day you're going to go back there. We all do, like it or not. We all gonna, we're all going to go. That's the one thing that we're all guaranteed. And it's the one thing that brings me comfort. Is that no matter what, we're all going to go home eventually. And when we do, we'll get to recover and rest. And then we can come back and play this game again whenever we want. But you're here to gather your experience, to spread love, and to have compassion for those who might not realize that yet. You can't drag someone down your path. You have to allow them to walk their own, and all you can really do is light the way on theirs. You can't make them go down the path. They have to want it. And that's something that we've forgotten. That's something that I'm trying to encourage. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, that the people that see this and that see other people like me who have gone through these experiences these near-death experiences, that they will take that and improve upon it, that they will take it and bring it to themselves, to love themselves first. And upon realizing what all was going to happen and what all could be done and how if you simply change your perspective, you can plant flowers in hell. Upon that realization, I was brought back to my body and I was, it felt unceremonious, but I was dropped into my body. And it took three days to recover from the experience, having a fractured awareness. And during those three days, I reflected on everything beautiful that I'd seen and how everything in the future, whether you like it or not, is going to become something that is going to be worth loving. Because there are plenty of people out there who, like you, just want to be loved and be happy. So if I have anything to say from all of this, it is spread love, not war, and to understand that we all just want to go home and we're all walking the path to get there. Better to walk hand in hand than fist against fist. I don't really have anything else to say except I love you. <laughs> and I always will. It was unceremonious and that I was just dropped. There was no being guided down. It was sort of like I was dropped from a really far up height, I guess. But it was literally just I was dropped into my body. And there was no coming down from on high. And there was no like returning, getting sucked back into it. It was just, and that was it. Like it was after that hurt, whenever <laughs> like the, uh, the return to my body and moving of my joints, everything, it took three days for me to be able to move my body fully again. Everything was extremely stiff and I had to recover from it. Like my muscles were locked up. My joints were locked up. My lungs didn't want to work. Nothing wanted to work. And it took three days to get back to normal functionality. I was on the floor for 30 minutes and... Whenever everything seized up, when my heart completely stopped, um, it was like being stabbed, I guess. And it was this understanding that, like some, it was, I don't want to say it was the back of my mind, but it was like this passenger in the back of my mind was like, all right, now death. And then it was like an angel, which I've had this happen before too. It was like an angel whispering, okay, you're dead now, deal with that. And then we just, that was it. It was like having something whisper in my mind, you're dead. And I kind of was in the state of, given this, given the shock of what was going on, it was just like this, okay, that's fine. 
like it was this acceptance and it, there was nothing I could do about it. It was, I was dead. So there was no sense in fighting it. It was just accepting it. And it was, it was not made to be anything that I should worry about. Does that make sense? It was very clear that I don't need to be afraid of it. It's nothing to worry about. I've accepted, I've acknowledged death since I was a kid. I've always been like, I'm going to die one day. That's fine. I'm not worried about that. It was this, this understanding of there is nothing to fear. And it was immediate acceptance of what had happened. And to be made aware of that was a bit surreal. Like, that's just, I don't know. I've never been worried about death. So to me, it was like any other day. I was like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I've not tried to avoid it. I've not tried to, I've always knew whenever it was my time, it'd be my time. And uh, there's no point in being upset about it. There's no point in running away from death. Death is going to get you eventually, no matter what. There's no, you can't outrun death. It's all a matter of timing. And I just didn't want to die on the toilet like Elvis or anything like that. Like, that's all that I wanted. And I'd always hoped that I would go down fighting. And I just went down meditating, which, I don't know, for that time in my life, it seemed appropriate. But it wasn't a problem, I guess. It's It was this, okay, the heart has stopped, the brain has stopped, you don't need this anymore, and you're coming with us. And it was like being pulled. It was like, um, what is that? The helicopters that do, uh, what is it, Lifeline? Where they, like, will rescue somebody from, like, the woods or whatever that's dehydrated and they're laying there near death and will come down. It was like being strapped to something and being pulled up by something else. It was so sudden. That was a bit unpleasant. But it was this feeling of everything locked up, everything stopped, everything was done, that was it. And I actually didn't expect to come back. I didn't expect to be brought back to my body. I didn't really care. I didn't request it. I just knew that I was going to have to come back eventually, whether it be this lifetime or another one. And to be just kind of dropped into my body, it was like being electrocuted. Like, I dream of the future all the time. It's to the point to where it's annoying. I've watched events that I've dreamt of coming to pass, and like just the other day, I had dreamt of working a place. I worked literally a few days ago. I started like day one, like maybe Wednesday. And while working that night, I had this moment of, it was sort of like lucidity, like this suddenly like half of my brain was like, okay, this is a dream. And it was, the rest of me was like, no, no, this isn't a dream. I'm very tired right now. I'm working mm -hmm. very hard. And it was like, no, this is a dream. And then I remembered back in 2020, early in 2020, I had dreamt of working that exact night, doing that exact thing, that exact job. The only difference was the color of shirt that I was wearing. And it was, it played out exactly the same way as far as that, that specific moment. I didn't know where I was at in that dream whenever I had it initially. I was confused. I didn't know why I was having that dream. It was sort of me, like me having that connection to the version of me that was having, the past version of me that was having that dream. Me having that connection and feeling it and being aware of it in the moment that I dreamt of sort of solidified that I have, in fact, dreamt of every place I've ever worked. Like, in detail, of every place I've ever worked, I've dreamt of that. And I always dream of significant moments in my life or significant things in my life before they happen. Usually anywhere between, it can be anywhere from a few weeks to I've had it be as far back as a decade, a dream I had 10 years ago that has just stuck in my mind. And I've always dreamt of, of future events before they've happened. For me, it's how do you go about that? And especially nowadays, it'd probably be easier 
But back whenever I wanted to do it, it was always, okay, so who's going to talk about this stuff? Who's going to actually open up about this stuff? Because I guarantee you, whenever they had the dreams back in the day, it was always, you don't talk about that. That's crazy. What are you doing? It's always the, oh, that's crazy talk. It's always the naysayers that just sort of, what, reduce you to just, oh, you're just, it's just a dream. Buddy, I've been visited by people who I've never met who have died in my dreams and they sit and talk with me for hours like i've never met robin williams in my life i've always seen him in movies but within two weeks after he died he took me on a tour of his house i've never seen that man's house his mansion he took me on a tour of it and he was so excited to have me there to show me all the stuff that was in there that he had been working on and all this how proud he was of his family and how much he loved them and it was so wild and I felt like a dad who was proud of his son. Like, it was really weird. And that just sort of happened. And, you know, within two weeks after his death, the night that Ram Dass, I don't know if you know who that is. His real name is, or his name is Richard Alpert. He's a very prolific and significant spiritual leader who was here in America. I'd listened to his lectures and stuff, and that's kind of how I got more into the whole spirituality aspect. What led up to my death. Also, a decent amount of drugs that I took that night. I know that for a fact. Part of a while, I was like, I'm not going to go into that. That's, you know, that's not the point here. The night that Rich, that uh, Ram Dass died, he visited me in a dream. And I woke up and I was like, why why was Ram Dass in my dream? I've never once, like, full standing there, like, in his, he was in his comfy robes, had a, even had a, like a, I don't want to say a guru stick, like a walking stick with him. And, like, we just carried on a conversation for a few hours in my dream. And then when I woke up, I looked him up and he had died that night. And I was like, why? He was as confused as I was. He was like, why am I here? Who are you? I'm like, who are you? And then we got to talking and I was like, why is Rome Dawson in my dream? Like that, I've like, it's been relatives. It's been random celebrities. It's been complete strangers. I don't know. It's, but stuff like this, you can't talk about this stuff to people because they're like, oh, that's just crazy. They don't want to acknowledge stuff like that, that there's more going on than what they can see. And I think that if, if you do a podcast, if you set the podcast up and do it, I guarantee you, you will have people come out of the woodwork. Like cockroaches in the dirty kitchen, they're going to come out of everywhere. It's going to be all over the place. You're going to have a lot of amazing stories from people. I think it's what we need. I think we, we all need to acknowledge that. I think that would be a fantastic way to do so. I keep a dream journal for the most part in one way or another. I'll pull up plenty of the ones that are actually significant lots of life like moments of just being happy other than that there are some pretty significant ones that they're burned into my memory so i'll go ahead and get those gathered up which i've been doing that anyway but i'll get those gathered up and make them coherent and try to figure out what they mean the most 